0: This is Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast with your host, Josue Cardona, an engineer turned mental health and ed tech guru, and psychologist and game scholar, Dr. Kelly Dunlap.
1: Hello, Headshots listener, and welcome back to the show. This week, Kelly and I are on vacation. So instead, this week, we're releasing three episodes from our sister show, Psych Tech. We recorded three episodes when Jane McGonigal's newest book, Super Better, came out. It is a book about applied psychology and gaming If you listen to these three episodes, you will see how how we're just huge fans of Jay McGonigal and we could not wait for this book to come out. So here are the three episodes that we recorded going through the entire book. I've always wanted to have some of our gaming content from our sister show here in Headshots, which was born out of that show. And really, I just wanted to take all the gaming stuff out of Psych Tech. And this is a way to do it. So no new episode of Headshots this week. Instead, here is part one of three of our super better fan club book club let us know what you think and we'll be back soon with new episodes of headshots
0: this is jane mcgonigal the author of super batter and a big fan of the psych tech podcast you're listening to psych tech podcast where you will get the future of psychology and technology Welcome to Psych Tech, the Psychology and Technology Podcast. I am Kelly Dunlap, one of your hosts for this awesome podcast. And as always, I am joined by Josway Cardona. Hello. How's it going, Jose?
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: Are you super excited? Are you super stoked? Super I psyched? <clears throat> I am. Super better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we, No
1: lie, before we start talking about the book uh, iOS 9 came out and I really like it Okay I just wanted to say we've talked about how our batteries don't last very long on our phones and now my phone acts like a regular phone the battery lasts all day
0: it is a miracle I am very happy for you and your phone to be reunited Yes, yes. In, in a way that is, that is super better
1: yeah. There we go.
0: There we go. So we mentioned it last week on the podcast that we would be going through Jay McGonigal's newest book, Super Better. It dropped last Tuesday, the day we record. So we, we did not really have an opportunity to, to dig into it. But we've had a week and we've been going through. So we'll be bringing you part one. So if you're following along at home, uh, turn to page 21 of your Super Better manual and Which is part one, why games make us super better. And it's going to be, I think, uh, really hard for the rest of the book to, to top this section. Uh, this section was just so full of citations that it made me so happy. And I mean, literally, I, I went out and bought new sticky notes so I could tab my book. And I'm already out of a color because I've used all of the blue ones so far. And that's that's just the first... Uh, the first part of this book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you did you stop at the first part, or did you keep going?
0: No, I, I stopped at the first part. It's been it's been kind of hectic with uh, with school and other uh, large amounts of reading. So finding time to actually read for fun has been a challenge, but a challenge I accepted and overcame.
1: Good. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's been. I, I agree. I mean, this first part was so good, and for me, it was like uh you know geek therapy i i post news articles there and so many of the things that i've posted over the years she's covered them here and i <clears throat> i always say i'm going to do a geek therapy book but after just this first part i'm like damn like this is like 80% of the book i wanted to do so i'm going to have to rethink that one
0: yeah i have a i have a similar kind of bittersweet uh, feeling because she starts off the first chapter talking about how it's not what you play or how much you play or not predominantly that but it's it's why you play and that was the groundbreaking finding that I had in my dissertation which I never did anything with you know it's still just sitting on on my desktop for for a few reasons uh, only one of which is because I'm lazy but there, there are some other contributing factors to that. So at, at one point, it's it's very validating. But on the other hand, man, I I could have published a study on this two years ago, and so it is a little, maybe a little little bittersweet. But I'm choosing to view it as validation for a thing that I did. So I'm on the right track, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, we're on the right track, Josey.
1: Apparently, yeah, yeah. Or at least this this uh book was written especially for us.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, we're we're on the the video game hype train, so it's all good.
1: Yeah, so I I would love to see what your um book full of sticky notes look like uh right now. But like start us off, like what is what is the what is the the biggest thing that started you know, the first thing you tabbed, the first thing that you that you highlighted, what well, was it? That's
0: actually the very first thing that I tabbed and highlighted is uh, it's the last paragraph on the first page of the first chapter. That's because when it comes to unlocking the benefits of games, it's not just what you play or how much you play. It's who you, it's who you play, when you play, and who you play with that really matter. In other words, you need to play with purpose. And it's like underlying with stars by it said, that's what my dissertation said yay validation. Uh, so yeah, that that's actually the very first thing that I have uh tabbed and highlighted.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And and it's so good. I mean that that is the theme of of this whole first part, right? It's that there is actually and and uh, I'll jump around a bit, but I really like how cuz I'm sometimes I'm concerned that I'm I'm hyping up games too much, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that I'm not being objective. But the truth is that that uh, you know you you there there are two sides to to all of this research, and especially I mean we've talked about Shabilsky's research, you know about the twenty one hours and things like that. And I don't know, like she she like masterfully does it in the book. You know, like she she goes through like all the benefits and then there are parts later when she also touches on, you know, there there are risks and, and here they are. And that 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 part of it is so good. It's so good.
0: Well, I think you put it really well. She's able to express things in very clear language that, and that's something that I sometimes struggle with. There's a, a part where she's actually talking about like the default mode network and the dopamine and striatum and all these different neuro pathways and neurotransmitters and but she just she writes it in such a way that even if you haven't taken neuropsychology or you're not a brain surgeon it still makes sense not just from the scientific aspect of it but how it ties into everything else and that's that's such a, a skill and it's it's part of what makes it so enjoyable to read is as I've been going through this, I would probably say I recognize about 90% of the studies that she's citing, which is cool for me because I'm looking at it and go, oh yeah, I knew that. So again, that, that validation piece, but just seeing how she words it for me is is actually really, uh, it's really helpful because when I go and I talk about games to either parents or other mental health professionals or even just my peers, finding that language to that, that bridges the gap uh, because academics tend to be taught to speak only to other academics, which has been a real problem in the, the scientific community. That you start dropping words like striatum and dopamine and default mode network, and people's eyes just kind of glaze over. So, uh, that's probably one of the most enjoyable aspects of of this book not to mention all the research is conveniently put into one place so for someone who's not the most organized with their research that actually is uh helpful quite helpful <laughs> so how about you i know you you didn't get a physical version but have you highlighted or or what was the first thing that really caught your eye and if you had a book you would have highlighted it
1: um so i can highlight digitally so
0: um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm living in the past. Of course, you can yeah. highlight digitally.
1: Come on, come on. And actually, I can bookmark my audiobook. And the I don't do a lot of bookmarking unless it's something that I really, really want to go over again later. And the part where she's talking about dopamine, I I marked that one off again. I think that if I do write a book that's more less geek therapy, more. Pop psychology, maybe it would be dopamine related because I think it's so important to understand the way that dopamine affects us, and I think she does a really great job explaining um, explaining this. And I'm reading a few other books, and and every time dopamine comes up, it's like, yes, please, because even even I'm someone who deals with with. Dopamine stuff all the time, and sometimes even I forget. Oh, yeah, like I forget the way that it affects me. And so I I definitely bookmarked the the part where she's talking about dopamine because I think it's really important.
0: I believe you're referring to page 85, which is also tabbed and highlighted (laughs) in my book uh, (laughs) about the mesolimbic pathways. And she just has a a way of putting it, you know, something along the lines of, hey, this study showed that... Playing video games has the same chemical reaction and lights up the same part of the brains as, say, a stimulant or some kind of amphetamine, but then goes on to explain that that's not necessarily, it doesn't mean you're addicted. It, in fact, means, is more indicative of the centers for uh, motivation and determination. That That's what's lighting up. So it's it def, it's a definite art uh, that that comes with being able to take these really wordy, academic-y, really dense topics and making them as accessible. I mean, I, I sometimes have to remind myself that this is an academic work because it reads like candy. <laughs> I, that's really the only way I guess I can, uh, I can describe it.
1: <clears throat> um, one, one issue I always had with Reality is Broken is that I felt that it really presented the idea that you know, like maybe like games are doing things right and the real world could learn a lot from it. And I always felt like we need to go like further into that and give like better examples. And, and we, we've talked about that before, but something in this, in this part of the uh, book regarding the dopamine where she, she just reframes it as, as listen, you know, you can have like, uh, like your brain can be, what's the word? Like, uh, like prime towards not just like reward and addiction, but it can be primed towards um, those positive feelings that come from doing something satisfying for other people, or for doing something that is um, helpful, and that the feeling is the same, and that that effect that you that you have can be for good. And she she goes into detail explaining that. And I love that part because I feel that that was like one of the things that was missing in reality is broken. And, of course, this book is able to go to way more detail um, in this specific area of, of like specifically the games, right, and and the stories. I don't know. It's so good. It's
0: so well, good. It's, it's amazing what five years of research can do, you know, five years of, of new research coming out. And one thing that really struck me between this book and Super Better – I'm sorry, of of Reality is Broken – what this book reads a lot more psychological than uh than reality is broken. I feel like reality was broken was kind of a summary of all the emerging research that was mostly coming out of like uh human computer interaction and that more technical side and was just getting into the the bleeding edge of psych and games, which I mean it makes sense. It was two thousand nine, which you know that's when I started my dissertation, so I can attest to how little was out there. In in terms of of games and health, but you know, looking at this, every tab I open up to, and I, I'm sure there's some some bias here, but there's something you know, I opened up to a tab and it's talking about self-efficacy. I open up to another tab and it's talking about dopamine. I talk look go to another tab and it's talking about another neurological uh, the pairing. So you know, being able to get into sync with somebody, um, flow, mirror neurons, all these very very psych Based ideas, and again, this is just this is just the first section of it. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen in the second part of the book because I feel like it's almost like Reality Is Broken all fit into this first section, or, or a large part of it. It's like it's the reader's digest version of Reality Is Broken.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well Well, uh, the the way I saw it is that you know Reality Is Broken was. More and again, I mean, maybe we got different things from it, but for me, it was hey, games can be a force for good. Mm-hmm. And look at all these examples. And then this one is like, you know, super better is games can be a force of self improvement.
0: That's a good way and of putting it. I think that's, yeah, might have been what yeah. I was trying to get around to, but you have the words that said the thing, so. <laughs>
1: yeah because it's all very personal it's all like look at this hack look at the way that we can use games to improve this right the self efficacy part the self efficacy part is fantastic right she starts talking about remission and she talks about how it's not just that people who played remission um were you know adhered more to their cancer medication is that they felt more in control and more powerful in the face of their illness, right? So they improve their self-efficacy, and and you know it's all like how can you improve you or how can you improve your relationships, and and yeah, I guess I, I'm I'm loving it because it's so it's so personal, and also you know she does, I mean it's so good, it's such a good model, right? She has these stories which are very uh, um, personal stories of, of different people those are great. But then there's the games in between, right? The missions that you go on and then you do something. So it's like you're a participant, you're trying these things out, plus you're listening to personal stories. And how those are interweaved in between and how the whole thing is set up as a quest. And every Every chapter is a quest to improve something in yourself. And I don't know, it's really good to get you... Like t- to stay on board because you do feel like you're doing something it feels it feels very active and there are very few nonfiction books that I feel are as active even ones that like at the end have questions for you to to do you know this one is is very different and because it has to do with gaming also there's there's a lot to relate to
0: yeah th- uh, I kind of feel like the the book at least the first part that we've read is designed like a game and it's it's designed to reflect the the concept that she's actually writing about which is which is really masterful so the idea that it's not enough to sit back and watch something happen or passively receive something such as just reading a book you know there's she's reaching you at the uh, the intellectual level the mental level which is you know reading and processing information she's reaching you at the emotional level with the personal vignettes so that you feel emotionally connected to a person and then there's the actual activities themselves that you can imagine that you're doing and other people are doing to create that social sense of connectedness which is exactly what she's kind of outlined video games as doing to make your life super better so it's it's a very clever uh design for the the book itself and in, in the way it's presented
1: did you um did you try out all of the things that she asked you to try out
0: so i'm gonna totally totally admit that i i have not done one of them i i want I, i'm a nerd and i want to get to the research and <laughs> at, at some point i will go back they're very Distinguishable, so if when I'm flipping through the book, they're really easy to find. But you know, I don't, I don't want to stop. I want to keep digging into the research, uh, which again, that speaks to where my my brain is at. Uh, I'm, I'm at a place where that's an okay thing for me to do. But I could definitely see looking at them, and I can. Easily imagine sitting down with, say, a client and going through that, sitting down with a friend or a family member and asking them to do this fun quest with me. I can definitely see how, how other people would do that and the, the benefits that you would get from it. And I probably also would get benefits from it, but I'm just in nerd mode right now and want to get to – I guess you would say I'm not being very mindful – Of the book, because it's all about acquiring more knowledge as opposed to experiencing the book as it was designed.
1: Obviously. (laughs) there's um, But there were parts like – there was one I really liked, which was um, where you – that research shows that if you open your palms and have them open facing upwards, that it puts your mind in – Put your brain in a, a open mindset. So you're more accepting of ideas that you're listening to. And so she says to walk around, to do it for 15 seconds. So I was walking through the city and I did that. I like opened up my, my, my hands and I put the palms facing up. It was a really strange feeling. And it was strange enough that I want to, I'm saving it for some professional development that I'm going to teach soon because I'm uh, about to, Teach some tech stuff to some people who are pretty reluctant to to accept this. So I'm going to tell them just right off the bat to do that, and then kind of just leave them there and not say anything about it, and then see if they'll ask me about it later. To see, um, it, it feels like such a hack. It feels like such a, 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 a I'm cheating my way through through um, their resistance. So I, I, I can't I can't wait to try that one. Um, That's the one that I that I remember the most. There were a few a few others, but I try I tried all of them uh, as much as I could while I was walking through the city or on the subway.
0: Well, I think for one of those things, you know, I feel like if I was to tell somebody that, they might laugh. I'm especially thinking about my husband, sometimes I talk about our psych stuff, and he just kind of shakes his head, "That's not a real thing," or you know, whatever. <laughs> but for that one in particular. You know, it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, but if you were to do the opposite, think about what your hands feel like when you're angry. You know, if you were to think about the last time you were really upset or really tense, most likely your hands would probably be in a fist or would be flexing into a ball or your nails would be digging into your palm or you would be grasping something really tightly. That's why That's why stress balls are stress balls you know so because that's a place where we really exhibit a lot of tension so if you do the opposite of the clenched fist that's the open palm and so it it does make a lot of sense especially if you look at it from the reverse which is something that we are we are much more used to seeing you know we're pretty much everybody's seen somebody make a fist and threaten to punch somebody in the face (laughs) probably in the movies but you know it's it's a possibility
1: but you've got you've gotta try it because it feels like, and I've thought about this so much since I read it uh it feels like like if you're putting your hand out to get something to receive something right mm-hmm. and I think there is like like you're not reaching out for it, you're just leaving your hand open right and hoping that like it reminds me of when I was a kid and and my school had this fence, and my grandfather would would come pick me up every day and um I would put my hand through the fence like. Open palm, so he would give me fifty cents, so I could go buy uh, an ice cream. And I used to do this all the time, and it it really made, reminded me of that. Of like, I'm I'm just waiting to receive something.
0: Well, I don't know if if you've seen it, but there's been a new kind of viral video going around, going around Facebook, going around Twitter, and 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 whatnot. And it's about body shaming. And so the two that I've seen are two. Young girls, probably in their twenties, they strip down to their their skivvies and then they blindfold themselves and have a a board in front of them that says, you know, I'm doing this for uh, body awareness. You know, draw a heart on my body if you've ever felt self conscious. And then they, so they stand there, but their position is arms out, palms up. Which uh, I hadn't thought about those two things going together, but. I'm sure it uh that body posture has something to do with it.
1: Yeah. I mean everybody like if you're listening to this, just try it. Just I I think the way she presents it in the book is, you know, just keep your hands open, um, palms up, palm open for fifteen seconds. And do that whenever you're you're maybe you feel like you're about to listen to something that you don't really want to listen to or something maybe you want to learn something new and you wanna be like more uh open to to this new thing, try that out. Or do like I'm gonna do and just uh try to make people do it and see what happens. And not tell them why.
0: <laughs> that's devious. That's deception. Don't you need IRB to approve that?
1: No. No no
0: no, no, no. <laughs> yeah I definitely think that some of my favorite parts of the book do revolve around the brainy stuff because that's that's something that's hard to refute or harder to refute it's it's the most sciency of of the science so things like uh, decreased left frontal alpha brain waves which typically indicates improved mood or you know the, all the fmri stuff that she's done so it's it's taking it beyond the anecdotal it's taking it beyond even the meta analytic the research based and actually looking into Looking into people's brains, which I mean, to be fair, we are not the best. We don't have the best technology. We still don't really know what most of uh, of the squishy bits do. You know, we we think we know, but we're always learning think- new things. So it's not, you know, it's not a one hundred percent. But you know, there are things that we know, and based on what we know, we can see those areas lighting up. You know, for example, the dopamine. We know that dopamine is related to reward and learning and you know, that activates when you do things that are pleasurable, like eat an Oreo or play a game or get a hug. You know, these kinds of things that, that trigger those positive emotional responses from us.
1: What was your favorite chapter of the first four?
0: Oh, geez. That's, that's putting me on the spot.
1: <laughs> so, so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through through the titles of each one. Okay. And then it'll help me refresh too because it's, it's all kind of a blur. And I think I've listened to the whole first part twice now. Okay, so the first chapter says is, you are stronger than you know. And your mission is to unlock the ability to control what you think and feel, even during extreme stress or pain. Chapter two, you are surrounded by potential allies. Your mission, to discover just how many people are ready to help you with any problem at any time. Number three, you are the hero of your own story. Rewire your brain so it's easier to motivate yourself, persevere, and succeed. Number four, you can make the leap from games to gameful. Your mission, smash the boundaries that keep your gameful strength separate from your real life.
0: It's tough. It's very tough. tough. But I think that I'd have to go with you are the hero of your own story. Mostly because that's where a lot of the a heavy amount of neuropsych comes into play. The mesolumic pathways, the dopamine, the addiction, uh most notably in bright yellow highlighter in my book, it, uh, it increased dopamine in the reward circuitry is not a sign of addiction. I've like highlighted and underscored and have about thirty or forty people that I want to send that quote out to.
1: <laughs> Make it into a t shirt.
0: Yeah, there we go. Get a tattoo of it. <laughs> Yes. And it, it also talked about the idea of games as helping to produce a work ethic as opposed to being frivolous and trivial. And that actually is something that I'm very, very interested in pursuing as far as uh, future research is kind of the interplay between mental health and games and society and how it's, it's perceived. So this idea that playing games is seen as something that's for children. And if you play and you're not a child, somehow you're being frivolous or you're being irresponsible. And I, I think that's a super fascinating part of the You Are the Hero of Your Own Story chapter because it talks about work ethic as something that you can develop as a strength that you can work on, like a muscle, as opposed to some kind of moral virtue and you you either have it or you don't, or you, you are this good person or you're not. Uh, I, I like taking away that kind of stigma and reframing something that is... And, you know, for better or for worse, really important in our society, you know, have a good, strong work ethic and showing that it's, you too can have work ethic.
1: The work ethic stuff is really interesting. How she says it's like, it's not just like a, a way of being, it's, there's, there's a neurological definition to it. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's surprising and- to me.
0: Yeah, it's uh. What's interesting is in some of the classes I'm taking right now, it's uh, we're doing games in society. So basically, all of our readings are about games as cult as reflections of culture, mm-hmm. as well as transformers of culture. So reading things like that, it just kind of is for me. All all the light bulbs are going off. My brain is clicking on all cylinders because what I'm reading in this class is matching up with what I'm reading in you know super better, which is matching up with what I'm working on in my own research. So it's it's fun when all those worlds kind of collide and you get this really in-depth understanding. And I think that's another important part that I don't think really gets discussed much, uh, is, is how society views games, and that imparts this idea of frivolity, this idea of uh, childishness childishness, or uselessness that somehow playing games are not not serious or not productive at least and we're founded on a country that that is like the most important thing you ever do is to be productive um, so i think challenging the cultural underpinnings of how we perceive games is just as important as showcasing the science to challenge perceptions that we have about games
1: yeah, and so many times in the book she says some variation of games have been found to be the best for blank, right? Like the best way to raise self-efficacy, the best way to like get to distract flow. from pain, the best ways to get it to flow. Exactly, and that 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 phrase keeps coming up over and over and over again. And I think you know that that's the way you combat the other side. And and what you said about your class. It, like once we start seeing or I don't know if you've done this in your class where you see a list of the most popular games for a particular generation in a country and then seeing what effects that has down the road, like maybe you know even on GDP on happiness levels, on um, you know industries that flourish versus others in other countries, just based on the games that they're playing because they they are developing again, not just the work ethic but all these different aspects.
0: Yeah, getting stronger, more determined, more persistent. There's parts in the chapter. Uh, I, th- I think it's "You're Your Own Hero." I'm, I'm. I think, but about how people who play games will stick with difficult problems longer than people who don't regularly play games. And I, I mean, I have anecdotal evidence. So it's always nice to have the the scientific evidence to to back that up, because you put somebody who plays video games uh, on a regular basis in front of a of a challenging problem, and they just go at it. There's there's not really any checking them back. It's you just kind of have to go hands off and let them tackle it because they they genuinely want to. They believe they can win, and so they're going to come at this problem from every angle. I, I think the perfect example is my husband and I just downloaded Monument Valley, which mm-hmm. is an amazing game. It's a it's a puzzle based game, but it is gorgeous. It's basically, it's a, it's a basically an M.C. Escher puzzle game. Absolutely gorgeous. And there was this one, uh, one level that we're sitting there and probably twenty minutes of just running into walls. And but it, at no point was it ever discussed that we stop. At no point was it ever indicated from either one of us that hey, well maybe we can skip this or let's go, you know, let's go look up a cheat code or something. But it was just, no, we'll get it. You know, there it's a it's a game, there is a solution, and we can find that solution. And people who play games, it's been shown, tend to take that kind of tenacity to to their non game lives.
1: And she and she mentioned that over and over again in the book.
0: So if you couldn't tell, Josue and I are kind of digging this book right now.
1: Oh so much.
0: So <laughs> much. I think
1: I think my favorite chapter was the fourth one
0: you can make the leap from games to gameful
1: yeah yeah i think i think that's my favorite because the 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 way it's set up right it's these three chapters that are just showing you like listen you can improve this this and this you have control over this this and this like you are essentially more powerful better at different things if you play games but then it's like, how do we do that thing that you just said right now? How do you, how do you become more resilient? How do you play so that you can actually like have more patience, right? And be more or have a better work ethic or be more willing to stick it out to find a solution. Or be more open to the idea that that it is possible for you to win versus I'm just gonna give up. This is this is not worth it. You know? Maybe and and maybe Maybe you weren't even thinking about it, but there's, there's rewards to, to you continuously improving and even beating that level and going beyond that. And maybe you weren't thinking about it at the moment, but, but there are benefits there according to the book. And so how do you, how do you bring that to mind so that you can live your life in a way that where you, where you can see that and, and remember it so that you don't just walk away?
0: Yeah, chapter four is the one that gave me pause when when choosing my favorite chapter because uh, it, it has also has quite a few tabs and highlighters. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about the chapter was the discussion of self-suppressive immersion versus self-expansive immersion, which is yes. a concept that I knew of, but I, I didn't have a name for it. I wasn't able to put words to it. So in short, self-suppressive is when you're trying to kind of avoid bad thoughts or feelings which again for us in the therapy world we're very familiar with people going to extreme lengths to avoid any kind of negative feeling or thoughts and things like that and so using games as as an escape and then the other side would be self-expansive is when you're using games to better yourself to seek out something that you want. so one is the act of seeking out and the other is the active avoidance. And uh, I think she even mention, uh, mentions experiential avoidance in here too. So I thought that was really interesting to, to put words to it. And then the other part that I actually have highlighted for uh, for this particular chapter um, is near the end when it has at the very bottom of the page, it talks about the harm of telling people, especially children, that games are a waste of time and... Uh, She even says, um, you know, parents, spouses, well-meaning, they make the situation worse by admonishing gamers to put down the game, do something real, or stop wasting so much time. And this kind of nudging, while well-intentioned, conditions gamers to believe that play has no purpose, no meaningful connection to to success in daily life. And that's, I mean, that is somewhat depressing. Because again, well-meaning, you know, no one's, I don't think parents are trying to, you know, scar their children most of the time but the idea that play has no purpose it just it feels so fundamentally wrong and and trying to espouse this idea that engaging in play especially in play as mentally challenging and rewarding as games can be it's it's like you're shooting it's like you're shooting your kid in the foot not yourself your kid
1: <laughs> it reminds me i was observing my my sister and with my with my niece and they they do this thing where my niece is um like she doesn't want to eat anymore right and they force her to eat more and then but she's not eating like a healthy salad or anything like that it's like macaroni and cheese or french fries or something like that you know, it's like this warped sense of like you, well, we know that you need to eat because you're a growing kid, but you don't think about the fact that you're giving them garbage. And, you know, I mean, the, like on the flip side of that is, you know, th- it's so ingrained that games are bad for you or that they're, there's nothing good to come out of them. So, you know, we don't want you to do that under any circumstances when when more serious things will do. And. And it's like this warped sense, right? And and I think this chapter does a really good job of of coming up with ideas or, or, or helping put it into perspective, so that we can show people that it that it can be beneficial and and how to apply it. And I got I got a lot of ideas from this chapter too, stuff that I would like to try out.
0: Yeah, it, it again, this is another chapter that just really dovetailed with uh, what I'm I'm learning in one of my classes, and we're really focusing on play and its and games and its place in culture and in society and how things that tend to be popular in culture are ones that mimic what the culture values and so like popular games and popular sports tend to tend to reflect that and so when you think about a game as being you know, a waste of time because you're sitting inside, go out, get a job, you know, why don't you talk to your friends, that kind of mentality that often comes with people poo-pooing games. But then you think about the most popular sport or the most popular game in the United States, which is football. And that's a game where you are physically smashing your body against another human being. The potential for broken bones is incredibly high. The, you know concussion rate is a huge issue people having early onset alzheimer's due to the concussions people committing suicide because of those concussions but it's completely normal in american society to sit in a crowd with 70,000 other people and scream and yell at 22 people on a field as they as they pound each other and have to real real medical deficits and not to mention the people that you're cheering alongside with might have cheese on their head or be shirtless when it's 10 degrees outside with their favorite quarterback's name written across their chest. Like these are all things that we see as completely normal, but, but playing a video game. Now that, that is a step too far, my friend.
1: Too far, too far.
0: (laughs) Or, or Uh. dangerous or, you know, or, or a waste of time. But, you know, spending, what is it, there's at least three football games every Sunday. And so the TV is on in my house for about 12 hours to 16 hours straight on Sunday because my husband really wants to watch football. And I, I enjoy watching football as well, but not for 12 hours like he can.
1: No comments on the football stuff. But do you do you ever find yourself or have you looked at your, at your gaming habits in the self-suppressive and self-expansive lens? Since reading that chapter,
0: well, I read that chapter about twenty minutes before we recorded because <laughs> of because of said school and additional readings, so I haven't really had the chance to reflect on it, but what I did actually uh, reflect on was in the chapter it also talked about uh, maybe it was a different one about how if you play games online that are competitive against a stranger, that there are, can be negative effects. And that's kind of like, quote, unquote, the worst way you you can game. Um, because that has n- none of the benefits and can actually produce or evoke feelings of aggression or dissatisfaction that can spill over into other aspects of your life. And I had, I had kind of a strong reaction. So kick, I, I think, Jose, can we just process this real quick? Because I haven't really had a chance to process it. Let's do it. Okay. So I play a lot of Halo. And that involves a lot of playing online, in a competitive game, a violent game, against total strangers. And so I was was sitting there trying to think, okay, can I see this objectively? You know, because I had this visceral reaction of like, -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh, no, Uh, which is silly because there's research. But then I I really kind of stopped and thought about when I play Halo. And the times that I have the most fun are when I'm with people I know I will I can count on like one hand in the last six months when I went into Halo alone where I went into say Rumble Pit by myself as opposed to having say a team with me because I don't like to play alone I want to play with people and so I thought of it in, in that kind of dynamic of I am playing a competitive game that is violent but the reason I'm playing the purpose that I'm playing is so that I can spend time with my husband, with my friends, that we can work together as this unit to overcome an obstacle, which would be the other team, so it's not about dominating the other team, it's about having that kind of teamwork and social gratification that I get with my friends
1: so Although you don't mind the the playing with strangers or against strangers uh, as much as the the research seems to imply, your preference is to play with non strangers
0: right? yes. Yeah, that would be a very good way of of putting it. And so I would be interested. I didn't see it in there, but I I would be interested to see how that, the, the idea of playing a competitive game against strangers, if playing as a team mitigates, it acts as a moderator, or for example, again, the purpose of the play isn't to go out and dominate. Like if you could compare a group of people who play specifically to go out and crush the opposition versus a group of people who go out to play because they want to experience the the mental and team challenge of a, a battle arena, and if that might have a difference. Because um, I, I didn't get that kind of, of depth or or detail from from the chapter, and who knows? I mean, it might not even be in the research itself, but I think that would be a very interesting way to, to differentiate.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if I'm mixing things up, but I'm going to go ahead and just... Uh, just- go all out with everything I'm thinking <laughs> regarding it. this right now. Balls is the because, all his way. Yeah. So so because as with any gaming, there's a lot of questions to ask regarding how the research was, was performed. But – and there's so many different ways to play it against other people and – I think that's a really good question that you presented. What if I'm playing not just free for all, but it's my team against the other team, right? Like that, that stuff can have an effect too. But we know that all that aggression research in, in, in games has to do with frustration about, you know, control scheme, not knowing how to play. Um, you know, there's a lot of that there. And I think that when you play against strangers, because there is this, uh, random element to it, right? That even if you, like, let's just say you play, for example, whenever I play Destiny, I play a lot alone, even though it's an online game full of other people, but I play without a mic. So even when I'm with or against other people, I play without a microphone. Mm-hmm. So let's say if you play without a microphone, every single time I play, everything is completely random because I don't know what type of person I'm playing with. So I can, I often get frustrated if I'm playing against people who are way better than I am. And, but sometimes I'm playing against people who aren't way better than I am, and then it's just, normal. When I'm playing with a microphone on, it adds a completely different element because those strangers can be either obnoxious children with high-pitched voices and their mom's yelling in their ear, or it could be like cool people who just happen to be my age and are just at home relaxing and and wanted to play for a little while. So the, the range of experiences is so... So wide, you know, I'm curious what specifically happened in that research and how people and what type of game people were playing, because my frustration in what you lovingly call shooty Halo versus (laughs) um, like a racing game, like it's, it's different types of frustration in a racing game. If I mess up or, or another car hits me and I fall behind, there's no way for me to catch up usually. And like my whole race is lost and sometimes depending on the racing game I'll, I'll be I'll be just driving like all the way in the back in last place for a really long time before the race is even over. And but in like a team based um you know like six on six, eight on eight, um, you know, first person shooter, there's this it's very different. It's usually very close and you know, and your whole team is doing something. So there's I don't know, the range of experiences is really really crazy and you touched so, on
0: another important part too are you are you playing alone or is it is it team-based you know is there an objective like capture the flag or you know retrieve this resource or is it simply a slang match there's there's so much that goes into it that's that's different um and that's, and that's when you play part. like a
1: single player game right you uh, like in Monument Valley, right? It's a puzzle and you can keep going until you figure it out. You get better every single time and there aren't these random elements. Every single time you start the puzzle, it starts exactly the same way. And but when you're playing against strangers, there's always this random element and there there can be way there there're way more reasons to be frustrated um in a case like that. And I don't know, it's 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 interesting. Are you, did you process it enough? Yeah. Or anything? yeah. Well,
0: actually, I mean, it makes me think of, you know, way way back in the days before Xbox Live, when if you wanted to play Halo with your friends... LAN
1: party! Yeah, you had to have
0: a LAN party. And I think about the LAN party, people still got upset. Like, I can remember my buddy Patrick. Uh, we did 2v2, so it was my, my now husband, but my fr- then friend. And me versus uh, my buddy Patrick and my other buddy Abbasi and we whooped him and uh, Patrick and I started playing Halo at about the same time and I could hear him going, she's not that better than me and like getting really, (laughs) really upset about it. But, you know, the fact that it's a LAN party, you have to look the person in the eye Once you're done, so you can be angry and you can be upset and you can get frustrated or you'll be disappointed with your play or whatever, but at the end of the night, you still have to look that person in the eye. And so it never never got to the point where there were death threats, it never got to the point of other kinds of personal threats of violence against your person, which unfortunately does happen in a more anonymous online environment. So I think that's, I think it's part of it is there's really no, there's no consequence. For being a dick, I guess is the best way I, I can say it. But whereas when you're playing with friends or family, there's definitely consequences uh, for acting. There's social norms that are established that you know you don't, you know, flip your mom off when she beats you at words with friends or or, or something like that. You just you typically don't don't do it. So I think I think that's a large part of playing against a stranger is. It's kind of like if you get a text message from somebody you don't know, you could read it as, hi, or as hi, or hi. Like, there's no context to it, so you don't know how to take it. And if you just lost, you're probably not in the best perspective-taking mood, so it's really easy to attribute your loss to some stranger who you'll never see again.
1: And it depends how what mood you came in to the game in the first place. yeah. That affects it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs>
0: so I, I have a question, Husswe. So yeah. I know the book is in three parts, but the last part are quests. And the second part is like 300 pages. So how mm-hmm. are we... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me see. Let me see how many chapters there are. Uh...
0: Uh, in part two, there are, let's see, three, six, seven, eight. There are eight chapters, Ooh. so maybe we can do four uh, yeah. next time. So again, if you're following along at home, that would be chapter five, six, seven, and eight, because uh, I, w- I want to read all 300 pages. Realistically, that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 we can do we can do
0: four. <laughs> okay, and then I, I, look, Absolutely. I look forward to the adventures to see maybe what we and our, our listeners can get into.
1: Man, I haven't looked that far at all. I've oh, only gone as far as page two seventy five, and then I started over. Of
0: course, no, I'm just looking yeah. at the table of contents because you know I have a paper book, so it's really easy for me to just look at my table of contents.
1: Uh, so, so it, so is, it's for me too. It's really easy. But yeah, okay, I, I haven't
0: uh, I haven't looked forward, I haven't skimmed that far ahead in the book. But okay, so again, if you want to join in on our conversation, we just went over chapters one, two, three, and four in Super Better, and next week we'll be going over chapters five, six, seven, and eight, which is challenge yourself, power ups, bad guys, and quests. So we'll be tackling that next week.
1: Ooh, power ups, my favorite stuff. I'll know. talk a lot about that next week. Quests, and, um, quests are
0: kind of my thing.
1: Really, so we we've got like a little book club going on here. So we
0: do. I think that's a good way of putting it. It's our, our Jane McGonigal fan club book club.
1: <laughs> fan club book club.
0: <laughs> yep, the fan club book club club.
1: Hashtag fan club book club.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that's probably spot on. So, but if you don't have the book, highly recommend checking it out. And of course, super uh, reality's broken. Her previous book. And that's going to be it for this week's episode of Psych Tech. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your, uh, your feedback, your thoughts on uh, the book Super Better and uh, share us what your favorite chapter was or what you found in the book that inspired you. I always love hearing from our listeners. And if you want to share, you can always get in contact with us at Psych Tech Podcast, or at our, our website, which is psychtechpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Psych Tech Cast. And we also have a Facebook page. So whatever floats your boat or tickles your pickle, just uh, feel free to get in contact with us. Let us know. And we will talk to you next week. And uh, yeah, so if you're following along at home, that's 5, uh, chapters five, six, seven, and eight. So are are you ready? Josue? are you ready for this this next next I'm segment? I'm very ready. Excellent. All right, we'll see everybody next week. All right. Bye. Bye.